Section six of Fairy Prince and Other Stories by Eleanor Hallowell Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Blinded Lady, Part Two. The most beautifulest thing in all the world, said the popcorn man. In all the world? It was in my Italy. In such time as I was no more than one bambino, I did see the peacock, the great blue peacock, stride out through the snowstorm of apple blossoms and dance to the sun. Oh, said Rosalie, how pretty. Pretty, said the popcorn man. It was to the eyes one miracle of remembrances. The blue, the gold, the dazzle, the soft fall of the apple blossoms. Though I live to be the hundred, though I go blind, though I go to prison, though my popcorn all burn up, it fade not, not never, that peacock, that apple blossom, that shiver. Our supper will all burn up, said my mother, if you children don't open your eyes and run home. Already I think I can smell scorched gingerbread. We children all opened our eyes and ran home. My mother laughed to see us fly. My father laughed a little. We thought about the peacock as we ran. We thought quite a little about the gingerbread. We wished we had a peacock. We hoped we had a gingerbread. Our home looked nice. It was as though we hadn't seen it for a long while. It was as though we hadn't seen anything for a long while. The garden didn't look like just a garden any more. It looked like a bower. Carol's tame crow came hopping up the gravel walk. We hadn't remembered that he was so black. The sun through the kitchen window was real gold. There was gingerbread. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, said Rosalie, in a world so full of beautiful things. However shall we choose what to tell the blinded lady? Carol ran to the desk. He took a pencil. He took a paper. He slashed the words down. He held it out for us to see. I know what I'm going to choose, said the words. He took his pencil. He ran away. Rosalie took her pencil. She ran away. Over her shoulder she called back something. What she called back was, Oh, goody, I know what I'm going to choose. I took my father's pencil. I ran away. I didn't run very far. I found a basket instead. It was a pretty basket. I made a nest for the white kitten, in case I should win it. I lined the nest with green moss. There was a lot of sunshine in the moss, and little blue flowers. I forgot to come home for supper. That's how I chose what I was going to write. When we woke up the next morning, we all felt very busy. It made the day seem funny. It made every day that happened seem funny. Every day somebody took somebody's pencil and ran away. My mother couldn't find anything. Not children, not pencils. Rosalie took the dictionary book besides. Anybody'd think, said my father, that this was a graduation essay you were making, instead of just a simple little word picture for a blinded lady. Word picture, said Rosalie. What I'm trying to make is a peacock feather fan. I wish there were three prizes instead of two, said my mother. Why, said my father. Carol came and kicked his feet on the door. His hands were full of stones. He wanted a drink of water. All day long, when he wasn't sitting under the old larch tree, with a pencil in his mouth, he was carrying stones, and kicking his feet on the door, and asking for a drink of water. Whatever in the world, said my mother, are you doing with all those stones? 
Carol nodded his head that I could tell. He's building something, I said, out behind the barn. I don't know what it is. Carol dropped his stones. He took a piece of chalk. He knelt down on the kitchen floor. He wrote big white letters on the floor. It's an arena, is what he wrote. An arena, said my mother. An arena? She looked quite sorry. Oh, laddie, she said, I did so want you to win a prize. Couldn't you have kept your mind on it just a day or two longer? It was the longest week I ever knew. It got longer every day. Thursday was twice as long as Wednesday. I don't seem to remember about Friday. But Saturday came so early in the morning, I wasn't even awake when my mother called me. We went to the blinded lady's house right after dinner. We couldn't wait any longer. The blinded lady pretended she was surprised to see us. Mercy me, she said. What? Have these children come again? Muddy feet, chatter and all? She thumped her cane. She rocked her chair. She billowed her skirts. We weren't frightened a bit. We sat on the edge of our chairs and laughed and laughed. There was a little white table spread with pink frosted cookies. There were great crackly glasses of raspberry vinegar and ice. Old Mary had on a white apron. That's why we laughed. We knew we were expected. My father explained it to everybody. As long as Carol couldn't speak his piece, he said, it didn't seem fair that any of the children should speak them. So the children have all written their pieces to read aloud, and— But as long as Carol wasn't able to read his aloud, cried my mother, it didn't seem fair that any of them should read theirs aloud, so the children's father is going to read them, and— Without giving any clue, of course, said my father, as to which child wrote which, so that you won't be unduly influenced at all, in any way, by gold-colored hair, for instance, or freckles, or anything, said my mother. Hmm, said the blinded lady. Understanding, of course, said my father, that we ourselves have not seen the papers yet, nor assisted in any way with the choice of subjects, said my mother, nor with the treatment of it. Hmm, said the blinded lady. I will now proceed to read, said my father. So do, said the blinded lady. My father so did. He took a paper from his pocket. He cleared his throat. He put on his eyeglasses. He looked a little surprised. The first one, he said, seems to be about gingerbread. Gingerbread, said the blinded lady. Gingerbread, said my father. Read it, said the blinded lady. I will, said my father. Gingerbread is very handsome. It's so brown, and every time you eat a piece you have to have another. That shows its worth as well as its handsomeness. And besides, you can smell it a long way off when you're coming home, especially when you're coming home from school. It has molasses in it, too, and it's very instructive, as well as ginger and other spices. The geography is full of them. Molasses comes from New Orleans. Spices come from Asia. Except Jamaica ginger comes from the drug stores. There are eggs in gingerbread, too, and that's natural history and very important. They have to be hen's eggs, I think. I had some guineas once, and they looked like chipmunks when they hatched. You can't make gingerbread out of anything that looks like chipmunks. It takes three eggs to make gingerbread, and one cupful of sugar, and some baking soda, and— Oh, tush, said the blinded lady. That isn't a picture. It's a recipe. 
Read another. Dear me, dear me, said my mother, now some child is suffering. She looked all around to see which child it was. Carol kicked Rosalie. Rosalie kicked me. I kicked Carol. We all looked just as queer as we could outside. Read on, thumped the blinded lady. My father read on. The next one, he said, seems to be about soldiers. Soldiers, said the blinded lady. Soldiers? She sat up very straight. She cocked her head on one side. Read it, she said. I'm reading it, said my father. The most scrumptious sight I've ever seen in my life is soldiers marching. I saw them once in New York. It was glorious. All the reds and the blues and the browns of the uniforms. And when the band played all the different instruments, it seemed as though it was really gold and silver music they were playing. It makes you feel so brave and so unselfish. But most of all, it makes you wish you were a milk-white pony with diamond hoofs, so that you could sparkle and prance and rear and run away just for fun and run and run and run down clattery streets and through black woods and across green pastures, snorting fire, till you met more soldiers and more bands and more gold and silver music, so that you could prance and sparkle and rear and run away all over again with flags flying. Hmm, said the blinded lady, that is pretty, and spirited too, but, but it doesn't exactly warm the heart, and no one but a boy, anyway, would want to think about soldiers every day. Read the next one, said the blinded lady. Oh, all right, said my father. Here's the last one. Read it, said the blinded lady. I'm trying to, said my father. He cleared his throat and put on his eyeglasses all over again. Ahem, <clears throat> he said. The most beautifulest thing I've ever seen in all my life is my mother's face. It's so... What? cried my mother. My father looked at her across the top of his glasses. He smiled. Your face, he said. What? stammered my mother. My father cleared his throat and began all over again. The most beautifulest thing I've ever seen in all my life is my mother's face. It's so pleasant. It tries to make everything so pleasant. When you go away, it smiles you away. When you come home, it smiles you home. When you're sick, it smiles you well. When you're bad, it smiles you good. It's so pretty, too. It has soft hair all full of little curls. It has brown eyes. It has the sweetest ears. It has a little hat, the jolliest little hat, all trimmed with doodabs and teeny pink roses. And there's a silver ribbon on it. And my mother had a hat like that, cried the blinded lady. Did she, said my mother. Her face still looked pretty queer and surprised. The blinded lady perked way forward in her chair. She seemed all out of breath. She talked so fast it almost choked her. Yes, just exactly like that, cried the blinded lady. My mother bought it in Boston. It cost three dollars. My father thought it was an awful price. She wore it with a lavender dress all sprigged with yellow leaves. She looked like an angel in it. She was an angel. Her hair was brown, too. I haven't thought of it for ages. And all full of little curls. She had the kindest smile. The minister said it was worth any two of his sermons. And when folks were sick, she went anywhere to help them. Anywhere. She went twenty miles once. We drove the old white horse. I can see it all. My brothers' and sisters' faces at the window waving goodbye. 
my father cautioning us through his long gray beard not to drive too fast, the dark shady woods road, the little bright meadows, a blue bird that flashed across our heads at the watering trough, the gay village streets, a red plaid ribbon in a shop window, the patch on a peddler's shoe, the great hills over beyond. There was hills all around us. My sister Amy married a man from way over beyond. He was different from us. His father sailed the seas. He brought us dishes and fans from China. When my sister Amy was married, she wore a white crepe shawl. There was a peacock embroidered in one corner of it. It was pretty. We curled her hair. There were yellow roses in bloom. There was a blue larkspur. The blinded lady sank back in her chair. She gave a funny little gasp. I remember, she gasped. The young man's eyes were blue. His teeth were like pearls. When he asked the way to the trout brook, he laughed and said, The blinded lady's cheeks got all pink. She clapped her hands. She sank back into her skirts. Her eyes looked awful queer. I see everything, she cried, everything. Give the peacock feather fan to the magician. Rosalie looked at Carol. Carol looked at me. I looked at Rosalie. To the magician, said my father. To the magician, said my mother. To the young darling who rode about her mother's face, thumped the blinded lady. My father twisted his mouth. Will the young darling who rode about her mother's face please come forward and get the peacock feather fan, said my father. Carol came forward. He looked very ashamed. He stubbed his toe on the braided rug. It seems to be our son Carol, said my father, who conjured up the picture of, of the blue larkspur. What, said the blinded lady, what? She tapped her foot on the floor. She frowned her brows. Well, 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 she said. It wasn't at all what I intended, not at all. Well, well, well. She began to rock her chair. But after all, she said, an agreement is an agreement, and the first prize is the first prize. Let the little dumb boy step forward to the Chinese cabinet and choose his peacock feather fan. Rosalie gave a little cry. It sounded almost like tears. She ran forward. She whispered in Carol's ear. Carol opened his eyes. He took a chair. He pushed it against the cabinet. He climbed up to the highest shelf. There was a fan as big as the moon. It was sandalwood. It was carved. It was all peacock feathers. Blue, bronze. It was beautiful. He took it. He went back to his seat. His mouth smiled a little, but he carried the fan as though it was hot. A second prize, of course, said the blinded lady, goes to the child who wrote about the soldiers. Rosalie stepped forward. The blinded lady took her hand. It is not exactly as I had wished, said the blinded lady, but a choice of cats is a choice of cats. You will find them all in the woodshed, young lassie, awaiting your decision. Choose wisely. A good cat is a great comfort. We went to the woodshed to help Rosalie choose her cat. All the cats purred to be chosen. It was sad. My father said it wasn't. My father said one cat was plenty. The white Persian kitten lay on a soapbox. It looked like Easter lilies. Rosalie saw it. She forgot all about the fan. Carol didn't forget about the fan. He stamped his foot. He shook his head. He took Rosalie's hand and led her 
to the old tortoise-shell cat. He put the old tortoise-shell cat in Rosalie's arms. Rosalie looked pretty surprised. So did the cat. My sorrow made tears in my eyes. My mother came running. "'Bless your heart, Ruthie girl,' she said. "'You shall have a gingerbread tonight that is a picture.' She put a little box in my hand. There was a little gold pencil in the box. It was my mother's best little gold pencil with the agate stone in the end. "'Here's mother's prize, darling,' she said. "'The prize mother brought for whichever child didn't win the blinded lady's prizes. "'Don't you worry. Mother will always have a prize for whichever child doesn't win the other prizes.' My sorrow went away. We all ran back to the blinded lady to thank her for our beautiful party and for the prizes. My father made a speech to the blinded lady. "'But after all, my dear madam,' he said, "'I'm afraid you have been cheated. It was new pictures that you wanted, not old ones.' The blinded lady whacked at him with her cane. She was awful mad. "'How do you know what I want?' she said. "'How do you know what I want?' My father and my mother looked at each other. They made little laughs with their eyes. The blinded lady smoothed herself. But I certainly am flabbergasted, she said, about the old tomcat. Whatever in the world made the young lassie choose the old battle-scarred tom? Rosalie looked at Carol. Carol looked at me. I looked at the old tom. Maybe she chose him for, for his historicalness, said my mother. Maybe, said my father. We started for the door. We got as far as the garden. I remembered something suddenly. I clapped my hands. I laughed right out. No, she didn't either, I said. She chose him for Carol's, uh, Rena, I betcha. Carol's going to have him for a champeen. We'll fight him every afternoon. Maybe there'll be tickets. Tickets, said my father. Oh, my dears, said my mother, a cat fight is a dreadful thing. My father looked at old Tom, at his battered ears, at his scarred nose, at his twisted eye. The old Tom looked at my father. They both smiled. Infamous, said my father. How much will the tickets be? We went home. We went home through the fields instead of through the village. Carol held the peacock feather fan as though he was afraid it would bite him. Rosalie carried the old Tom as though she knew it would bite her. When we got to the willow tree, they changed prizes. It made a difference. Rosalie carried the peacock feather as though it was a magic sail. She tipped it to the breeze. She pranced it and danced it. It looked fluffy. Carol carried the old Tom hugged tight to his breast. The old Tom looked very historical. Carol looked very shining and pure. He looked like a choir boy carrying his singing book. He looked as though his voice would be very high. My father and mother carried each other's hands. They laughed very softly to themselves, as though they knew pleasant things that no one else knew. My hand would have felt pretty lonely if I hadn't had the little gold pencil to carry. I felt pretty tired. I walked pretty far behind. I decided that when I grew up I'd be a writer, so that no matter what happened, I'd always have a gold pencil in my hand, and couldn't be lonely. End of section 6